this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. In a much simpler time, years before one of Florida's first invasive species, the Giganticus mousimus, commonly referred to as Mickey, lived a wild and vast prairie riddled with palm trees, oak hammocks, and swamps full of alligators. From the 1500s until 1844, the whole east coast of central Florida was known as Los Mosquitos, after Andrew Jackson received authority to take possession of the Florida Territory, ceded by Spain in 1821, he divided the whole territory into two counties, along the Suwannee River. All of the area west formed Escambia, and all of it east formed St. John's County. This was largely consistent with the previously existing British colonies of West Florida and East Florida. Mosquito County was split off from St. John's County on December 29, 1824. At roughly 220 miles long by 90 miles wide, it was the largest county in the new territory. In 1842, the Armed Occupations Act was passed, providing 160 acres to any head of family who settled on property south of Ocala. In 1844, the expansive area of Mosquito County was cut in half, with the southern half being named St. Lucia County and the northern half being renamed Orange County. St. Lucia County was later renamed Brevard County in 1855. This week, we are joined by Native Floridian and Mosquito County Hunt Club President Cameron Gordon. Cameron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure. So uh, I was born and raised in the heart of Mosquito County in a town that I wish I didn't currently live in, but I do, uh, called Orlando, and um, or the city beautiful, as it was known before it was named Orlando. And uh, so, yeah, I was born and raised in Orlando. Currently, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm self-employed. I have my own construction company, and uh, we do remodels, construction, carpentry. But my passion is really, uh, really the outdoors, hunting, fishing, the woods, uh, recruiting people, showing people the things that I love. Uh, I've got two children, two sons, Jackson and Levi. I say Jackson was named after Stonewall Jackson, but my wife always says, no, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but uh, got two, two sons, been married for a long time, 12 or 13 years. I'd have to do the math in my head. And... Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my, uh, my my bio in a nutshell. So, what is the Mosquito County Hunt Club? So, Mosquito County Hunt Club is is a loose knit club. You know, a lot of the clubs that you see are guys on a certain lease, or they hunt a certain place, or it's a ter- certain type of game. Mosquito County Hunt Club is a loose knit group that I mostly started. In order to uh, to really be an organized stakeholder group, you know, a lot of the times when when you're writing a letter, you know, you could write a letter as, as Will or Cameron to FWC, but uh, and and it's not just you know blowing smoke. It's it's this is an organized stakeholder group. It's got a catchy name, a unique name. A lot of people don't know what Mosquito County was, and uh, and so I said, well, I kind of want to. And it started out more fun than that. That 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 that, that was sort of the for, one of the formal reasons, but it was mostly just a group of, of buddies and myself. And it's like you know we always hunt together, and 
I want one of those cool stickers for my truck. You know, I want a little sticker that says something hunt club, you know. <laughs> I can understand that. Exactly. Who doesn't want a cool We've been there. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why I joined. <laughs> I think Briar still got his sticker. Pretty sure he does still have the old Reedy Branch hunt club it sticker. It is still on my truck. On your truck, yeah. Now, is it that white silhouette with a target on a deer? No. Okay. That <laughs> no, I think ours was, uh, it was like a silhouette of a deer standing in grass, like okay. tall grass, I believe. Was nice. it not? It's the deer head. Is it the deer head? Yeah. Can huh. we go look? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to review that when we're done with here. No, I I was looking at when me and Briar were over in Ocala working the dogs. It is the deer head. Okay, that was our that was the first lease that I uh, started um, up in Georgia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where <clears throat> we had almost a thousand acres, right? Nine hundred and eighty-seven acres. With a bunch of guys on it that we leased from Rainier Timber Company. And we did not kill a thing but mosquitoes. Maybe we should have named it the Mosquito Hunt Club. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on a side note, <clears throat> M- Mosquito County. No, now, now this sounds this sounds like Hollywood BS. So bear with me for a second. But uh, uh, you know, people talk about your personal brand. You know what I mean? I said, well, personal brand. Uh, that, that sounds lame. But I was kind of thinking, like, you know, I've had two businesses in my life, both of which have been Mosquito County something. Mos- Mosquito County Construction. Currently, I'm the owner of Mosquito County Enterprises. And uh, the only problem with naming anything Mosquito in Florida, like on the side of my truck, it says Mosquito County Enterprises, build, repair, improve. And uh, I can't tell you how many <laughs> people will be walking by. Do, do you spray for mosquitoes? You know, that's that's the most common question I get. And I say, no. And then I launch into the story about where Mosquito County came from. And my guys roll their eyes because they've heard the story a hundred times. But, uh, but hey, it's a... It's a good name, but you you say it with anything with mosquitoes, and people will be asking you to set up a spray system on their back porch. Yo, well, I don't doubt it. I mean, the mosquitoes down here—it's a fitting name, really, too, when you think about it, because the mosquitoes. I think once the uh, Chamber of Commerce knew that Florida was becoming a state, they said we better change the name if we want to sell some real estate here. You know, yeah, that had to be what it was yeah. while they went away from that. <laughs> so, is it is it safe to say that, to a certain extent, the Mosquito County? Hunt Club is more of a philosophy in the way you kind of look at things and um, what you stand for and, and advocate for. I mean, you're very modest about the things that you say you do, but every time I talk about you on the podcast, I refer to you as Florida's uh, greatest rabbit hunter and a small game aficionado. But a lot of people may not be familiar with that at a grassroots level, you do a lot of public advocacy and that you you are a hardcore small game and public land hunter. And I believe that the same can be said for just about everybody that quasi affiliates with Mosquito County Hunt Club. Is that is that fair to say? Uh yeah, yeah. That that is that is absolutely fair to say. That's a very accurate outside perspective. Um and and, and that was kind of the uh the thing of the club is there's a, a bunch of us that run around on mostly public land. Although we do all kind of have you know, most everybody not everybody, and I didn't for a long time, but you, but a lot of people have that little chunk of private land that you've weaseled your way into, you know. And uh, but for the most part, it's a group of guys, and we ride the roads in public land and hunt the public dove fields. And I know where all the little rabbit patches are near the old cattle pens and this and that. And so, uh, so yeah, it is. Uh, but it is it is kind of a philosophy, and a lot of it is 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 fairly Central Florida public land oriented. And that's only because I live in Central Florida. If I lived in North Florida, it'd be North Florida public land oriented. But, uh, but, uh, but certainly, certainly, it is uh, heavy on the small game. There's only a core group of members, but at the same time, 
there is no membership. Does that make sense? You know, anybody can be there, although a group of us get together, and once I finally get around to paying for some bumper stickers to be made, we'll, we'll be official. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. And it certainly does segue into a philosophy because, and, and, and that, was, that was a reason why I kind of put a name to it and really tried to make it a little bit more name recognition is so that it, uh, it could be a philosophy. And like I said before, it could be a group with a little bit of momentum, a little bit of name recognition that could be recognized as a stakeholder in a public initiative, in a wildlife management area plan, something like that. So what is Mosquito County Hunt Club? Uh, what do you guys do to give back to the woods you're hunting in? Well, uh, so a number of things. Uh, uh, attending public hearings, public meetings, that's a, that's a big one, you know. And a lot of the, especially for like, say, the, uh, uh, the draft of a 10-year management plan for a wildlife management area. You know, the wildlife management areas, they update their plans every so often. State forests. Uh, so we try to attend that name drop when we attend it <laughs> and uh just this last year due to covid there was a cancellation of an annual cleanup so in bull creek there was a there was another advocacy group actually i don't know if y'all have heard of bull creek it's called the herky huffman bull creek wildlife management area it's in central osceola county it is one of the heaviest hunted and most popular wildlife management areas around in my opinion and from what i've seen and uh every year there, there's the, there's I could launch into a whole long backstory. Twice in its history, now technically it's St. John's River Water Management District land, and it's operated by the FWC. It opened as a wildlife management area to hunt. There has been two attempts by a neighboring rancher, who I will can remain unnamed, but uh, to to ultimately work sort of a land swap. And uh, I think as Laura would have it, he feels that his family was kind of gypped out of the property many many years ago and there's a big creek that flows through their land and uh, and he might be a decent guy i don't know but unfortunately he wants has tried to take a lot of public land and that's not good so they've tried to trade the state some property of bull creek back in order for a flowage easement now i'm making a very long-winded answer to your question but i'll get back to your question that's fine so uh in the t the couple of times that that these negotiations have occurred group of hunters hikers bird watchers butterfly watchers have kind of popped up and they they they've sort of formed a advocacy group mostly consisting of people that hunt and hang out and camp and out there but it's called friends of bull creek so friends of bull creek does an annual cleanup this year some of the longtime leadership and people that usually plan the event were kind of either not feeling it or they were unable there was a little bit of uneasiness and so uh it, it was it was going to be postponed. And I said, you know what, man, that's a shame because it's just such a good time. We always get boatloads of garbage that I'm sure Jim and some of you other guys can relate to. Will, you know, if y'all been out in the Ocala National Forest picking up trailer loads of trash. Now, Bull Creek's usually a little cleaner than Ocala, I must say. I don't usually find, like, kiddie pools and uh, old excavators out there, you know what I mean? But uh, it's mostly just the beer cans, maybe a few of which I might have accidentally left. I'm not trying to be a saint. But... uh they do an annual cleanup. It was going to be canceled this year. I said, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity. I want to go out. I want to bring my kids. I want to invite everybody I know. Let's do the cleanup. And I'll just say it's Mosquito County, you know? So that that cleanup, um, so far, those those are the main things, attending a lot of the, uh, a lot of the things, uh, the cleanups, kind of some 
really just surface level co-sponsoring of some pig roasts and stuff like that. But uh, that's the beauty is that the future, I'm, I'm hopeful that many things will pop up that I can do as an organized, uh, organized sponsorship, organized partnership, make it happen, mobilize the troops. You know, I don't know if you know this, Cameron, but you're sitting amongst the first, second, and third place leaders of the Gobblers and Garbage event for BHA here. Yeah. Briar, with almost his single-handedly one, almost one ton of garbage, getting up there. Jim, you've got 16. Less than Briar. Yeah, 1,600, and I'm back there behind the two of you with about 1,300 gallons mm. of garbage. That's amazing. But we we all been we've been hitting it together. It's not. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's garbage in the three of us was cleaned up single handedly. We've all been out there together, cleaning it up because that is too much of a task for one man, one any person. Uh, especially when Matt was out there with us for the the Gobblers and Garbage event. He's back there yeah. some one yeah, of the eleventh way tie for fifth. Yeah, with three hundred thirty three <laughs> points. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's been a huge group effort. Um, uh, Jim, you guys put it on. It was a great event. Um, we ended up going out there. We we had trucks and trailers. We did everything, and Jim turned around and him with his kind heart and same as Will around and called me and it's like hey well we need your dump trailer and stuff and i was just like what are you talking about it's a monday he said well we're going back out there and jim had my trailer for about a week just picking up garbage straight pretty much it becomes like hunting you know what i mean uh when, when you're hold, hold that thought jim no 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 come come talk i didn't mean to interrupt you uh it, it does become like hunting. the same instinct that you kind of get when when you're rolling and you see a covey of quail or something or that deer run or a turkey or you sit, like you get that with with like some glimmering piece of trash off in the woods like there's one you know what i mean you do it it, it kind of titillates that same instinct we still have a jet ski to go back for but we're also going to rob the motor out of it i just want to say i've seen more cubbies of bush light in the last <laughs> month than Blood i've seen light. cubbies of quail <laughs> in my entire life <laughs> this time around it's been bush and me and will have actually went out and scouted for trash <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But it, it is a it, it it can be fun. It's a shame that we're having fun picking up that much trash. Now, do y'all scrap metal? That's the thing. If you're a metal scrapper, I'm wondering how much good metal you'd find out there. You can make a good five dollars off of some of that steel you find out there. You know, I I go through so much steel and stuff that's not even worth my time to scrap. <laughs> I, I think I don't think we've really found that much metal. I mean, I guess if we really wanted to crush down beer cans, we could probably make a pretty decent chunk out of beer cans. We could probably get like $40 in beer cans. That's a lot of beer cans to get get $40 worth of aluminum. I'll bet we've collected somewhere between three and 500 pounds of aluminum. But mm. You we think just we've got keep, that much? Yeah, but we're not segregating. You know, if we had, I've thought about it, and it seems, especially if we do another big group thing where you actually have 30 people out there, or if we got a little bit more organized and um, sent a truck kind of down the road with people walking or even riding shotgun on the sides, just stabbing cans and, and, and whatnot, and throwing them into a dedicated can bucket, I'd bet we'd fill that thing up pretty quick. But with it's so hard in a group to to try to do that. It's just it's more important to just get the garbage out of the woods and try to 
recover another 50 or 100 bucks mm-hmm. in the end you know just let's get it out of the get it out first and you're definitely not finding any copper <laughs> no <laughs> that's already gone oh, people yeah. don't throw that out <laughs> no you'll find you'll find uh whatever receptacle they pulled the copper out of though yep. that you will find but so with the massive amounts of people moving to florida every single day albeit good for the economy of the state how's it affected the hunting in your area well uh you, you hit it in that question, albeit good for the economy. You know, that is the tension, I think, that every good sportsman or sportswoman, outdoors person, <laughs> uh, that we walk. You know, that's a tension because we want jobs. You know, that economic flow, it's great, but uh, uh, it is tough because it does affect our hunting areas. You know, so I mentioned Bull Creek. That you know, Central Osceola is one of the places where I hunt the most. And uh, when I started driving out there, it was uh, Narcusi Road was a two-lane road and mostly early in the morning it'll be some dump trucks fishing boats a couple other hunters you know somebody going to work and now it's in certain areas six lanes with a turn lane in the middle i mean walmart's on every side you know so so i would say the the commute is a big part of it you know you're stuck you're stuck in traffic getting out there um controlled burns prescribed burns are a big thing that uh Although it hasn't affected it yet, you know, that that is one area that's going to make a difference. When people start moving in and living next to forests or there are major highways through forests, we've already seen it, I-75 from time to time. You know, there's been some major pileups due to the smoke in the area. Uh, that's going to uh, that's going to affect things. But um, it's uh, for the one area in particular that, that has affected it, for me, but also some other members of the hunt club is, uh, is really the waterfowl hunting, you know, people that like to hunt on some of the lakes or they're hunting sovereign submerged land, uh, you know, and then you get homeowners starting to complain about the gunshots, you know, people coming out, making all sorts of noise off their dock, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just as things get more populated, urbanization, it, it it has its 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 course. I think the 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 waterfowl hunters and some of the duck hunters are the biggest uh, are going to be the first to really get hit with with a lot of the population boom. Um, but it uh, it affects us all, and ultimately, as as it encroaches urbanization and the suburbs encroach onto the the places, you know, people are going to complain about gunshots early in the morning. They're not going to want to look out their back window and see an orange vest up in a tree. So it's uh it's on the horizon, you know. Really, though, as far as gunshots go, it's a lot easier on a deer hunter than it is for any kind of bird hunter. Big time. Yeah. Especially duck hunters. You know, we're all in a clump of uh, three or four of us. Yeah. I had uh, I got called twice about, you know, early morning shooting and stuff like that, duck hunting this year already. Mm-hmm. Well, not already. It was last season. But yep. it was in the beginning of the year. I got called twice out on me. Really? Yeah, I was out there over at Skeeter Pond, and, you know, it's completely illegal where I was at. I was actually about a 1,000 yards away, you know, intruding into the legal hunting area. I was nowhere as close to being illegal, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people with money still were not happy about it. The gunshots waking them up early in the morning. Sure, sure. Well, and one of the things that you're going to see is that is that areas grow. You're going to see municipalities start to annex land and properties. And so that that's kind of like there's a lake uh, south of Orlando 
it's in it it, it, it kind of falls some is in or, unincorporated orange county some of it's in the city of belle isle there's a little bit in orlando but there's some there's like one little triangle that you can hunt in lake conway because it's in unincorporated county it's a waterway or with a public boat ramp and uh i mean people raise hell about it you know what i mean it is and so i think that's going to be a big thing that you're going to see is that technically there will be less area to waterfowl hunt because municipalities will annex the land around it and in it and you cannot discharge a firearm in certain municipalities so it's it's going to be is that not true even if it's got a a public boat ramp i thought if it landed within a municipality that no, fortunately, in Florida, in New York, municipalities have the ability to limit that. But in Florida, oh, now it's gone. Is it 78? 790. 790. Mm. 790 covers that. But you do have, there are, I don't want to get into a whole sure, sure. long-winded discussion about 790, but fortunately, cities, they can go ahead and annex it, but that doesn't, just because it gets annexed, that does not prohibit the discharge of a firearm. One of the things that the distance from and it causes there's a lot of heat about this right now because people have different opinions, but that's one of the reasons that FWC is seeking to codify restricted hunting areas. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks mm-hmm. don't realize that restricted hunting areas have been around since the 90s, um, and there's very few of them been granted. But in FWC's opinion, since they don't have a um, standard to set for municipalities to ask for them or a standard by which FWC can deny them. They're trying to codify that so that it doesn't wind up being settled through litigation where some magistrate sets the boundaries. So right now, Mm -hmm. that's why they're setting that at 300 feet from a dwelling, not from the shore, but actually from an occupied dwelling. And there's a whole bunch of other things. Sure, okay. But... um, Anyway, I, I wasn't going to try to get into that, and I just got into the weeds. And, and right now, there's probably 30 people that listen to this podcast that just threw their cell phone across the room and are screaming about me even describing it that way. Well, but. that's good because I was I was I had been told that it was because it lied within an area. You know that that like the portion was on the edge of Belle Isle, and that they couldn't do it because it was technically within Belle Isle. So so that, thanks for correcting me because I had uh, I had heard that wrong. Well, I believe that in Belle Isle they've entered into a memorandum of understanding, or Belle Isle, that lake might actually be one of the handful that have one of the an RHA individually negotiated RHAs. I should know that, and I just can't remember right now. Well, hey, but that's, that's all right. The, the intent of the question was still, you know, uh, uh, how, how is the, the, the rapid growth affecting hunting? You know what I mean? And, and it came with that, but... Certainly, and then all the way on down to, to just the genetic, you know, you start to get in these uh, uh, islands, you know, genetic islands as where, okay, so you've got a nice WMA, you've got a nice plot of private land, whatever, but if it's surrounded by houses and the wildlife corridors are kind of cut off, you're going to get inbreeding, you're going to get disease, you're going to get roadkill. So after a while, you know, your genetics are going to suffer and you're not going to have that, that type of wildlife. Never mind the gunshots, even if that doesn't matter, you know, you're still going to. Uh, it's going to have an an impact biologically too. Matt, you had something you want to say? No, I just wanted to crack that. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say, I can like being in site development. It is kind of crazy because you know it pays the bills, but there's mornings where we get on a job that's fresh cleared and they're just starting to lay some pipe, and there's, I mean, 
you get out there first thing in the morning before the sun comes up and you'll see 15 or 20 deer cross job site and you're like man i wish i could I know. Mm-hmm. or we'll set sometimes you'll get some guys set trail cams and just come across some massive bucks on some of our sites oh yeah oh yeah big time and the perfect example of that local encroachment onto the WMAs is that road they're trying to put through Point Washington WMA up in North Florida, right? There has been, they've had the meeting and now they're having a, another meeting, Jim. So they've had a, the planning commission met and it was interesting to learn about their thoughts and, and to, the truth is they've got a pretty well thought out mobility plan but their logic essentially as to why they need that road through that state forest is just because there's a road roughly, a north-south connector roughly every 1.8 miles in the area, just not there because there's a state forest. And in listening to the rationale as to why they included that road, it's, as, it's not as if they don't care. It's as if they just don't know. Like they don't realize that state forests or, or, or the need for unbroken habitat exists. And that was kind of discouraging. Not, like I said, it was, it was not as though they intended to harm. It's as if the, the notion just wasn't there. And I think that's a lack of education, but fortunately on that road in 2019, the department of, um, environmental protection, FWC and forestry all voiced some pretty serious concerns and even if the even if the county does a does eventually approve that as part of their mobility plan it's got a long way to go before it gets implemented so anyway on that the next two meetings are april 27th and there's going to be another one in may where the county itself will eventually say yay or nay as to whether they include that particular road in their mobility plan and we're still fighting pretty hard to get it removed on the road on the talking about roads and and going through wildlife corridors and everything else i just want to go ahead and and give a thank you to all the state senators in the state of florida who voted to approve legislation postponing the mcor's and specifically the North and South Toll Road from Collier to Polk County. Amen. Absolutely. Because that's what we need more of. <laughs> <laughs> the toll road, it, it's, a, it's amazing, man. I, I, yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Those you are know, right. I mean, we, we, don't, we do not need more toll roads, but we, but we definitely need more people in political offices throughout the state of Florida who are going to stand there and vote against more toll roads. Well, absolutely, and and you know what I find interesting, uh, you know I've got I've got my political persuasion and my views, but when it comes to toll roads and development, that is one of the few things that is bipartisan. And uh, you know there was a big to do about a toll road that was going to cut through a forest in South or- Orlando area, uh, just east of Lake Nona area, which Lake Nona is a rapidly developing portion of Orlando, blah 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 blah, blah, blah medical center, blah, blah blah, tennis center, blah blah. So uh, they wanted to put a toll road through the Split Oak forest split oak mitigation area and uh again the toll road you know went went before a, a vote from the county commissioners and uh it was amazing to see who uh it was like 
Wow. I thought I thought you were the environmental person. I thought you were green and uh, lead and all this, and you're and you want to put a toll road through a mitigation forest, not just any old state forest, but land that was specifically bought for the purpose of 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 mitigating development of wetlands when they built the Orange County Convention Center, and they're they're just like put a toll road through it, you know. So the the toll the toll roads are a crazy animal, and it makes me wonder what kind of, you know, not to get off on uh, on any kind of tangent or point fingers, but. Uh, there's a lot of power there and and it's unfortunate that's a some of the opposition to some of the toll roads and the needless roads is bipartisan but a lot of the support is bipartisan and i just find it kind of fascinating it's uh you know the greed from the toll roads it it, it doesn't know red or blue man it's purple straight up yeah. well, so it, it has been pretty amazing to see how you can get like hunters and even you know more i don't want to say anti-hunters but people that don't hunt they just come so close together to protect that land itself. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's a, that's our call. Really, is is for for us as hunters and uh, and the rednecks. Like we need to be showing up at a meeting and shaking hands with the lady in a Prius. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a it's essential. And and I've seen it work. I've seen it work. Going back to the Bull Creek, I was in Palm Bay at the uh, 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 district headquarters when they were having a public hearing about it and you had a room literally like how you know i'd say about 75 percent of the room was you know orange hats and guys that pulled up in trucks and uh you know overalls and uh but then the other portion that came up to speak there was a group from the for the southeastern butterfly enthusiasts you know so this guy's talking about the species of butterflies that exist on bull creek and then there's somebody from the uh, florida uh, florida trail association there's uh there's some bird watchers and i and that that just to go back to your point that resonates with people because if it's all one people group if it's all just the angry rednecks you know what i'm saying they they can block that out they can say well we're affecting it but a a coalition of people you know what i mean different user groups of these forests and uh different advocacy groups that that speaks volumes it really does it really does it's absolutely necessary you know, sometimes you see it in Facebook groups or social media or even at a cocktail party where the hunter or the sportsman will be at odds with uh, somebody that's part of the Autobahn. Um, but if you don't have those organizations, you won't. Hunters can't stop it by themselves. And I also don't believe that just Audubon can stop it by themselves. When we had that coalition that's working against the road through you know, backcountry hunters and anglers, I'm, I'm very proud to say that that organization really helped act as the catalyst to, to bring all those other groups into play. But with that, it, it was interesting to see the letter that we wrote and then circulated early. A lot of the parts of those of that letter that we wrote in opposition wound up almost verbatim in a lot of other groups. Mm. Um and some of whom are outwardly and openly opposed to hunting. So it was nice to see that they didn't give us any credit, but still took our points because we have that commonality. Mm. So to wrap that up, we cannot continue to alienate those who are not necessarily opposed to us, but don't embrace what we do for our avocation. We have to have more friends and enemies. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where do you see Mosquito County Hunt Club and the way things are run there as a whole 
in 20 years? Uh, well, I see it. I see it uh, much more uh, recognized, much more of a a household name, if you would. Okay, are you talking about the the club itself? The club, the, the things club they're doing, the way the the landscape looks around you. Sure, sure. So, um, I mean, honestly, you know, uh, pers- persistence shall bring prosperity, and hasty speculation shall surely bring ruin. To quote proverbs, so persistence, just showing up, being there, dropping the line, making the comments, and so uh, um, sponsoring the things, doing the trash cleanup, going to the BHA small game hunts, just just consistently being out there, recruiting, recruiting, namesake. So so my 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 goal, is, which is again why I'm so honored and appreciative to be on your show is uh your podcast show i'm like an old man i don't know what on the internets you know what i mean uh, uh <laughs> i don't know what you call these things you know what i mean it's the uh, interwebs yeah, the interwebs you know, i turn this device on and i hear all about turkey hunting it's wonderful but uh i i my my, my goal is to be much more recognized to the point where fwc forestry audubon uh, the friends of Split Oak. I'm talking, uh, you know, so so many other little subgroups would would seek our help and our opinion and our our advocacy, our endorsement, and to to really just be at the table in most of these big discussions. And uh, and I think, I mean, we're I'm, I'm on track to do that. We all are. You know what I mean? A lot of our core members are doing a lot of different things. And so uh, so I the goal is to be. And, and you know, I hate to use this, you know, current modern day Twitter type of stuff, but but an influencer, you know what I mean? That that we would be a recognized influencer, and our opinion will be respected, and we'd be at the table for a lot of these discussions, advocating for public land, increased recreational access, conservation, stopping questionable development, etc. So how could like I'm interested in joining and stuff? How could me or one of the listeners or one of us join your group or join your cleanups and how can we get informed about this kind of stuff? Absolutely. So currently, because like I mentioned jokingly, I am a dinosaur, but like all good dinosaurs, I do have a Facebook account and Facebook is pretty much that, that, that is where I disseminate my public information. You know what I mean? So Facebook, uh, the Mosquito County Hunt Club Facebook page starting to do a lot of that or uh or shoot me a friend's request cameron gordon um i'd probably need one of these young bucks to help me figure out another good outlet to keep that information going i don't even help you i don't even have facebook <laughs> <laughs> i don't even have social media and i'm right. only 27 <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, that that's 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 the that's the tough part honestly is uh so so currently from from a from an outward facing perspective I have a Facebook page, and we show up to a lot of events. And that's probably uh, uh, not totally going to cut it. I don't know. Maybe a website's in order, you know, but that's the hard part. It's that, still directing traffic somewhere. you got to have some – even with a website, you have to have a way to get people just to find it, right? It, right. It's tough. I, that's something we struggle with here is just getting somebody to find Under Pressure Outdoors. Right. Be it Facebook, be it wherever you find your podcast, whatever, and it's <clears throat> word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, word of, word of mouth. You keep showing up these events, and you keep putting that name out there, 
eventually people are going to sit there and go, you know that Mosquito Creek, Mosquito County Hunt Club, mm-hmm. you know, they're and, doing good things. And that's why I can't wait for live events to really start to happen again. Live hearings, live events, these things. I mean, uh, is because because that that face to face, that talk in the parking lot. You know what I mean? Where afterwards you sit there with a group of about seven other people, just and then all of a sudden the sun sets and you're still discussing the stuff. Um, I can't wait for that because that's that's a big thing. So 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 uh, I'll have more on that later. Okay. <laughs> Some direct asks will probably help. Like the things that you do, um, I could tell you that, especially as a Central Florida guy, that uh, you know, as long as I remain on backcountry hunters and anglers Florida board, that in Central Florida, with a little bit more lead time, if if you tell me when that promotion is, that ties directly into our spirit and our mission. Like, we're already doing gobblers for garbage, so mm-hmm. doing something like that and promoting it. You know, we don't know if you'll, you may end up getting 10 people, you may end up getting 50. But making those asks and letting other conservation organizations know when you're going to do it and simply asking if they'll help promote it, I'll bet you'll build that event pretty big as far as the Bull Creek cleanup. And it's a beautiful piece of property, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How does that all tie in? Isn't it, doesn't it start at over in um, TM Ranch, right? And then Bull Creek and then all the way over into Three Lakes. Isn't that pretty much one now continuous ranch land um wma area well uh not not from so so tm ranch is actually down uh in the in the wee Wahoodie area triple know, n so. i apologize yeah, yeah. no yeah yeah certainly certainly and 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 in fact in the triple n so mosquito county hunt club was was very privileged to be at the table for the 10-year management plan of the triple n wildlife management area but no we we were a stakeholder group in that management plan for triple n and that that is from a regional perspective like fwc was kind of talking it's those three the triple n ranch three lakes and bull creek that's kind of the central osceola big huntable wide open have a good time area those three and uh yeah so they're they're kind of pimping those as the region you know yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Because you're talking a lot of land, you know, Bull Creek. Oh, well, I don't want to start naming numbers because I'll misquote the acreage, but Triple N's like 16,000. Three, three Lakes is like 50 or 60,000. Bull Creek is like 23,000. So you're talking about major acreage. Beautiful landscape, too. You know what's funny is is that you talk about beautiful landscape in the woods and the hunting opportunities and all this. and. If you walked up to any random person in the state of Florida and said, "What's in Central Florida?" Giganticus Mousimus. <laughs> That's what's in Central Florida, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to Florida than Disney World and Universal and Orlando, Tampa, Miami, Daytona Beach. Well, Disneyland took up some of the best hunting area in the state. I was say I'm ready for Disney to open up for some hunting. Right? Let's start mm-hmm. doing some guided hunts in yeah, there. We need a, a Mickey Mouse WMA. <laughs> well, I know some of the guys who like right outside of Disney's area on the uh, east side on the back side of their property and they run airboats. They are some very successful hog hunters. There's some monster deer get killed around that area on private land all oh, the time. Oh, I know. I work night shift out at Disney. I see them every single night and I want to pull mm-hmm. over the truck and bust a headlight. <laughs> 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 oh, absolutely. Oh, Disney property, you know, it's funny. You said, you know, talking about Mosquito County and, and everything, Disney property, you know, so my dad worked at Disney. He was a, he was a career waiter at Disney world for 25 years, close to it. And, uh, 
one of my favorite things. And I think he's actually hit a deer or had some run into his car coming home. You know, because waiters work till about 11 o'clock at night or whatever, 10, 11. Oh, absolutely. They start heading home. But uh, talking about Mosquito County, one of my favorite things about Mosquito County, Central Florida, all of Florida, really, South Florida, is orange groves, citrus. And that whole area west of Disney and then coming back through, uh, through up, up out of Disney property, up through Winter Garden and everything – was all orange groves like even even up to the point when i was you know almost a young adult it was was really when it started to get developed and i could remember one of my most vivid memories is leaving i went went out after school with my mom and my dad was at work and we kind of went to the parks at disney world and we were driving home and my dad like myself like most central floridians will go to painstaking measures to avoid interstate four and so he would always (laughs) drive the back way he'd leave out the back way and it was all orange groves you know, kind of out in the area near a little town called Windermere and stuff. And, and I can remember on a spring night driving up home from Disney through the orange groves, warm air hitting on a backcountry road and the smell of orange blossoms. So thick, so sweet, so warm. Just you could feel the orange blossoms in your nose hairs. You know what I mean? It was just beautiful. And, uh, that was old County Road or State Road 535. I know exactly what you're talking about. 535? About West Orange County, out by Oakland. Yep. It's and, all neighborhoods now. And it was oh, yeah. some of the most, you'd be booking right along and all of a sudden, 90 degree turn, no warning. If you weren't paying attention, you were going to wind up wrapped around orange trees. <laughs> yep. And now it's all, I think they're calling it Wintermere. Oh, and Horizons West. Yeah. yeah. That's a loss, yeah. man. When I, those, I, I, it is, because that was such a beautiful area. I tell you, when I've, I have two orange trees in my backyard, when they start blooming, I just got to go out there and practically stick my face in them. I, just, I love the smell of orange blossoms. That's the nice thing about having working out towards like Orlando and stuff and you get closer back to Lake County where there's still a bunch of orange trees. Just one of those ones where you you want to stick your head out the window when you smell and go, whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing like it. I mean, and, and that is just that is just a that, – that, that smell, and, you know, that's a – that's something that makes me long for a day that was really before I was even born, when 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 most of Florida south of about, oh I don't know really south of Ocala south you know on into here you know where we're at in Eustace, uh, I mean shoot this was all citrus country Claremont like I can remember going up with my grandma and I barely remember it but I went up in the citrus tower, the yeah. the <laughs> off the road attraction in Claremont and you'd look out and it was a uh, it was citrus so as a young kid. I don't remember much because it was a bunch of citrus. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays, if you go up in that tower and see a citrus tree, it, it's probably some lemon or lime tree that somebody planted after they got it at Home Depot. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, There's an orange tree around there. It yep. is pretty sad nowadays and stuff because I remember growing up in a popka and running around and seeing all the orange groves and dealing with stuff. And uh, I was informed not too long ago that I'm pretty sure it is the last big production land of orange groves just got sold off in apopka mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i actually did an interview with uh lakeland police department and the background investigator was like tell me something they were talking about stuff i had to tell her like stuff i'd done illegal and i said you know we when i was a kid we used to Don't go classify <laughs> this stuff yeah oh we well i was anything you say can and will this right now I've already told a Cut his mic, police. police department. <laughs> yeah. No, but you might implicate others. Yeah. I'll just say we, me and my associates would go to Orange I know Groves a guy who did. And fill up the floorboard of a truck and drive down the road and throw it 
at pretty much anything you could hit out <laughs> oh, the I think window. I know this guy. <laughs> yep, yep. And she said, she she stopped at the end of it and looked and shook her head and she was like, only in Florida. Yep. yep. <laughs> like, yeah. yep. I think my favorite thing that I did when I was a kid with these orange groves were. We used to go and run around with the little um, pump BB guns. And we had a rule. It was a two-pump rule. We would run around through the orange groves, and airsoft wasn't a thing yet. Mm -hmm. So we'd shoot each other with BB guns, but the rule was two-pump, and you'd hide under an orange tree, (laughs) and you'd find the most nastiest, rottenest orange, and somebody would come by, and you'd slam them on the chest, and you'd hear them go running the other way, click, 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 click. (laughs) You're just tearing off the other way because you know you're about to have a BB stuck in your ass. (laughs) I mean, I still have scars, like memory scars, from playing hide-and-seek in those things, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Um, just tearing through a big old orb spider web. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Those big old monster yeah. orb spiders. When you just felt yeah. it wrap, wrap around your whole head like a mummy, and you just knew that son of a gun was on there, man. On there. He was going to oh. get you. You know, <laughs> the worst oh, thing I was terrified of running through Florida when I was a kid was big old banana spiders. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the orb, yeah. Okay, That's, you go from zero oh. to Mr. Miyagi in point two seconds, <laughs> <laughs> doing the dance. Yeah. Yep. You know, I used to shoot those with a BB gun. (laughs) One of the things, I'll I'll make it quick because I know we only got so much time. But uh, Triple N Ranch, we're hunting in the creek bottoms, hunting squirrels, and there's some wild citrus. You know, that's one of the things I find amazing about Florida and these creeks is you'll find these wild citrus trees. Most of them are sour. Every once in a while, you'll find one that has good sweet fruit. But uh, you know, you sit there and you're hunting squirrels with your 22, and we always like to try to shoot an orange, stand underneath it, and try to drink the juice as it's dripping down. (laughs) But uh, and then. also, one of the interesting things, so the freezes came through in the in the 80s, is, I, I believe it was the early 80s, maybe 83, 84, that really wiped out a lot of citrus in central Florida. And uh, after that, they planted uh, a lot of pine trees so that the landowners could keep their ag exemption. They planted pine. But in amongst these pine forests, you can still find a lot of uh, the, the rootstock. So for people that don't know, a lot of the citrus trees are, are sweet sweet citrus that they graft onto sour rootstock the rootstock on a sour orange or a lemon is is hardier than that of of just if you grew one from seed so they'll graft these on and after they after the citrus died off that rootstock survived so a lot of these pine forests that you see off the turnpike if you're driving through the mineola claremont area and, and things they'll have these wild lemon trees and bitter citrus trees still growing through all these pine forests that came back from the rootstock but uh you can cook with it. It ain't good for juice. So, Cameron, I, I have heard you called the uh, Florida Renaissance man, uh, and I've been told you might quite possibly have the best trucker hat collection in the state of Florida, if not the entire world. And you showed us some of that today with your wonderful red man chewing tobacco hat. Mm-hmm. So let's hear a little bit about uh, Florida Cameron Gordon style. Uh, what are some of your fondest memories growing up in a wild, a wilder Central Florida? Well, that's a good question because uh, you know I have a lot of fond memories. You know, uh, so so the wilder Central Florida, the country Central Florida. I didn't grow up country, uh, but back in the Central Florida that I knew, even even in like literally a mile east of downtown Orlando, it wasn't country but it was redneck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was like a duplex with a guy that had a broke down Camaro and he looked like 
Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Foxworthy hybridized, and he'd be out there like with a Marlboro <laughs> hanging out of his mouth, working on a dead Camaro, drinking Bush Light, just like we all do now. You know what I mean? It's wonderful. But uh, so 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 there was there was an element to which you know, kind of like even in the city, it was still kind of it was still a little bit. I don't know, for lack of Manly. a better term, white trash. But yeah, it was a, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was southern. It was kind of redneck. It was a little bit rough. You know, it's all been gentrified now. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but in a wilder central Florida, some of my earlier memories. I mean, um, when I first started to fall in love with the forests and the woodlands and things, uh, certainly it was in the Geneva area. So there's a little. Uh, That's where my wife's from. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Oh man, well we can start name dropping after the show, buddy. I bet we'll oh yeah we'll be name dropping a lot of the stuff. So one of my good friends, he grew up in Geneva, and that was that was really the area where I started to fall in love with it. So kind of hiking and fishing and camping along the Little Big Econ River in uh, Seminole County. Oh yeah, mine. I fell in love growing up in Osteen. Oh yeah, yep. Or uh, or you want to talk about Wilder Central Florida? So before I came here uh, tonight, I, I I had to drop a check off with my tile guy in Sanford. So we met at the gas station. It felt like a drug deal, you know what I mean? But uh, but I was handing him an envelope, and we shook hands and, and hauled ass out of out of that handy way or the kangaroo station on 46. But either way, uh, I, I had a little bit of time before I was coming over here, and I, I said, well, let me go by my buddy John, uh, John's farm. And John has a – he used to grow cut flowers, and he'd sell these cut flowers to florists. He grew mostly sunflowers and snapdragons. And, and uh, back when I first – he would uh, – he would, I went, I went to church with him and he invited me out there. I started talking about, well, I'm getting into hunting. You know, I really like to hunt. He's like, Oh, well, if you like to hunt, do I got the story for you? You know, so he grew sunflowers and now I never knew it, but the protein content in the head of a sunflower is actually extremely high. And what are deer like when they're growing antlers? Protein. They like protein. Exactly. So he was getting eaten out of house and home. I mean, I'm talking, you know, and he, he had, he'd tried a lot of parlor tricks, I guess enough parlor tricks to, satisfy the state's requirements that he had done what he could and so he was granted depredation permits so john got these depredation permits now he had a flower farm in a little town called cassia between eustace and the land on highway 44 and uh uh i remember one night i was out there and uh not too far from his house i'm talking the way the crow flies less than a quarter mile from his house uh and farm it was the old Cassia Schoolhouse, which is now like the Cassia Community Center or something. And they used to have these bluegrass festivals there. It was like a, like, I don't even know, first and third Thursday of the month or something. They had these bluegrass things. And, and there was one night I was out on his farm because part of the depredation permit is that you can shoot deer with a with the aid of a light at night uh, because you're trying to save the crop. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, so I was sitting out there on the top of the barn, and it was like, I don't even remember what time of year it was. But... uh the, the wind was blowing just right, and here I am on top of this little barn in the middle of nowhere, Florida, next to this bluegrass, and the wind was carrying the music. So I hear, like, banjos and fiddles, and just a little bit of the stuff was wafting through the air, just like the smell of orange blossom. And it was really romantic when, you, when, you, when I talk about it. It was beautiful. But uh, so I'm sitting up here trying to shoot deer with a mag light, and I'm hearing bluegrass playing in the distance, and I'm going, this is pretty badass. <laughs> so that's pretty wild. Doesn't get uh, doesn't get much more backwoods redneck than that. <laughs> <laughs> if only I knew uh, what the hell I was doing, I would have had a lot more venison than I did. But I had a little bit of venison. 
Maybe it'd have been a little more redneck if uh, if you didn't have a permit to do that. <laughs> That's true. Well, those are the stories I'm not telling. You know what I mean? You got a little bit of venison, but you still had more venison from Briar. <laughs> so, who introduced you to hunting? Um, to a little bit of hunting, some of the things that 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 we were alluding to there about. Oh, you know, not having a permit and things like that. Maybe it was some of my buddies that had some land. You know what I mean? We'd uh, we'd 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 eat everything we harvested. Let's just leave it at that. But who really introduced me to hunting was a buddy of mine named Chuck Taylor, who was uh, the I husband love his sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It, Chuck Taylor All Stars. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I had been, I had kind of, I'd squirrel hunted my buddy John's farm. You know what I mean? Done a little bit. Didn't really know what I was doing. And he actually Chuck introduced me to public land and the wildlife management area systems and so although i had kind of known about hunting i'd taken my hunter safety course i didn't know about the million plus acres that i could actually hunt you know what i mean i thought it was i was relegated to just a handful of small farms or whoever i would meet at a social function that i could guilt into letting me hunt their property but but it was my friend chuck taylor who brought me to the Apalachicola national forest he had a uh, recreational use permit at one of the forests right next door. And so, uh, and I told this story at another function, but day after Thanksgiving, I'd never been on public land, only deer hunted a couple of times unsuccessfully in my life. He had a rec use permit next door, and uh, we get up there at like midnight to the Apalachicola National Forest. He's like, now these guys run dogs. I'm going to drop you off in an area where they don't run dogs, so just stay in this area, and uh, when the sun comes up, try to hide and shoot a deer. And then, uh, so he drops us off on a damn fire line, oh, dark 30, hauls ass, and we're kind of sitting there. Then the sun starts to come up, and the dogs start baying in the distance and going crazy. We didn't see anything, but I was just, like, hooked. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Vast expanses of land. We ended up hooking up with some of the houndsmen after that, and they invited us out. They said, hey, you got a CB radio? It looks like, come with us. You know what I mean? They were running their foxhounds, having a great old time. So so I, I kind of attribute Chuck to to getting me really into hunting so what's your favorite game to pursue these days these days my favorite game to pursue is definitely dove i love hunting doves i do love a good dove shoot oh yeah love let me dove eat yeah let me tell you how serious cameron is so cameron shoots a bunch of doves and he starts opening up their crops and harvesting the seeds so we actually chatted a little bit about it, and then he started posting about it. But did you actually save all those seeds? I mean, you had a, you had a hell of a pile of seeds. I was trying to figure oh, how many dude. doves you must have killed to get like a whole beer can full of seeds out of their crops. Well, it's a it's a couple beer cans. I mean, man, when I'm telling you, some of these doves that I would shoot, they'd be they'd be, you know, uh, all legal, mind you. Those out in Radio Land, um, you know, uh, they'd be coming back to roost at night. You know, they a, a lot of a lot of the doves I hunt, I hunt near little puddles of water because they'll come and try to eat grit off the road and drink some water when they when their gullets are full before they go to bed at night. Protein. They like yeah, they like to get they like to get some grit to help digest. They like to drink some water, and uh, so I'll hunt these puddles. And like some of them were having gullets full, bulging gullets, just to the point where you could you could feel it. It felt like a beanbag. You know what I mean? And uh, they always have these little round seeds. And I'm assuming there's some kind of grass seed, you know what I mean? So I this year I said, all right, I'm going to keep all these seeds. My buddy has a 2,000-acre cattle ranch in central Osceola County. And he's 
you know, uh, if I had more time, I'd be able to really do a lot more with it. But uh, and I work out there a little bit. But he said, you can plant a dove field. Sure, go for it. And I said, all right, you know what I'm going to do next year? I'm going to save every seed from the gullets of every dove I get. And I'm going to plant a dove field with the seeds from a dove's gullet. That's a pretty good way to make sure you're planting what they're eating. And presumably, I won't need to water them or fertilize them if they're eating wild-grown stuff. Right. So we'll see. I'll be interested in seeing what some of those things were. I was doing some homework on them, and I'd come up with a couple of ideas that I can't remember what species they might be. But You thought they might have been goldberry, I think, but uh, but they're smaller than that, and, and, and they're they're abundant. You know what I mean? So some guy said sluegrass. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And, and he said sluegrass, and then I kind of Googled stuff, and I'm like, sluegrass? Well, shit. You know what I mean? They had stuff from Mississippi sluegrass, Florida. You know, so... It's tough to tell. I mean, there's, there's, Florida is home to a very high biodiversity. So narrowing down a small little brown round seed, you'd think it would be easier than it is, but it's not. But to answer your question, dove is my favorite, followed by a rabbit. I love hunting rabbits. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it's my understanding that you might be uh, the best rabbit hunter in the state. What's your take on that claim? Well, that's an awfully nice way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I've got a pretty good success rate, and uh, man, you've killed more rabbits than cancer. <laughs> we have a squirrel hunt last year in Seminole Forest, and everybody else comes back—two squirrels, three squirrels. Man, I think he came back with a duck, a couple of doves, three rabbits, and twenty-two squirrels, or something <laughs> like that. Well, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's those kind of things that make you the president of Mosquito County Hunt Club, not just a, for, a founding member. You know. What I'm uh, no, no. Well, the thing is, so I've 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 learned rabbits over the years, and uh, I've gotten to the point where I I kind of know what they want and what they like, and uh, and I, I just I love them. Like when I first started hunting and getting into it, you know, uh, a rabbit was like prized. You know what I mean? And so uh, I was when we did that that small game hunt, I was just looking at some satellite photos and kind of thinking about areas, and then uh, I noticed this area looked real scrubby. And I was like, man, that looks like scrub. You can see the sand, and you can see some of the undulation in it. And Google Earth has an awesome feature where you can see elevation, too. And I said, uh, it's all pretty kind of flat, but it's scrubby. And it's got a nice road. Now, in all fairness, you know, I like to think of myself sometimes as a, a good fair chase type of hunter. But uh, I'm also known as the, the state's leading truck hunter. And a lot of people hate me for it, you know, because uh, I've been known to just lean out the window and shoot some shit. So, so you know, that, that, but I'm trying not to ruin anybody's game. If I see your truck parked there, I'll try to use my 22, not my shotgun. You know what I mean? I'll have some. I'll have some uh, I, saw, I saw it was all scrubby, and I said, man, I bet that area is good for rabbits. And so my buddy, Fat Jay, that's his nickname, Fat Jay, uh, and he, he's, got a, he's got a bird dog that's a retriever, but... Uh, we brought it out, and she retrieved a couple of these rabbits for us that went into these scrubs. We wouldn't have gotten a couple if we wouldn't have had her. But, uh, yeah, man, we were just riding these roads, and sure enough, it was just like I had predicted. Rabbit after rabbit, uh, tons of rabbits. I went back the next day with my sons and got more rabbits. It was just like, wow, that's where they're at. I'll tell you a funny rabbit rabbit hunting story. I had a, got one after you. When, uh, <laughs> when I lived in Kentucky, we had a god-awful amount of rabbits behind and behind our house would show up in the little uh we had an empty lot between my house and neighbor's house and uh when we'd see them most of the time because we were in a quote unquote subdivision uh surrounded by cornfields we would uh shoot them with a bow well my buddy says well you know what 
I think I'm going to set some traps for rabbits. Is we going to get a couple have a heart traps? He's like, no, we'll get some body traps. <laughs> and I said, well, hi. I said, you got to get them over their trails. They're not just going to wander into your body trap. He said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to take my privacy fence and I'm going to lift the panels up in one spot and create a hole. Because he was, hey, he had already had rabbits in his backyard and they were getting in under somewhere, couldn't figure out where. So he took two panels, one on each end of his backyard, lifted one panel up just high enough to put the body trap in the hole and set the body traps in there. And I kid you not, every single day, two set traps. It went so, it got so bad. He's like, I got to quit setting the traps, man. He said, I'm tired of skinning rabbits. He said, I got a freezer full of rabbit meat. You want some rabbit etouffee, rabbit dessert? I'm like, no, man. I appreciate it, but dude. He was having to wake up an extra hour early ahead of work to get out there and skin two rabbits. And then he'd go to work. He'd go to PT. We're in the army. He'd come back from PT an hour and a half later, and there'd be two more rabbits in the trap. He had to clean those at breakfast. He was he was just slaying them, and we never saw the numbers drop because they were multiplying like rabbits. Like, like rabbits, they live up to their namesake. Yeah, I was out at Seminole Forest one day. Um, it was on a Sunday afternoon evening. Uh, I was it was super windy, so I didn't think that I'd really see squirrels, you know, run through the trees. It was the same pond that Sadie was running through that we took Justin out to to go walk around, and uh, so we were sitting there. I was in this big old jacked up white Silverado with five speed manual, and. Uh, way too high for my own good and i was running down the trail i'd never seen a rabbit out there before and then there was a rabbit in the middle of the trail so i jumped out of my truck i turned around i shot that rabbit and then when i was walking up that rabbit another rabbit shot out it missed the first time shot him the second time about the time that i shot him the second time i picked up the first rabbit i went to go pick up the second rabbit my truck comes rolling past me straight into the pond <laughs> oh, oh, oh man <laughs> Yeah, that rabbit fever. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I left it in gear running and everything. It was just chugging along right behind me. I didn't even notice. I was running out the truck after a rabbit. <laughs> He's lucky it was one of them trucks you had to climb the tire to get into the door. Yeah, yeah. that's the only reason I made it out. But the gate was locked oh. when I showed up and I had to call FWC. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing about the rabbits is they'll be in some thick brush and they like, they like a little bit of that lower grass, you know what I mean? It's good forage for them. So... They're on the side of the road. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're well, I got a little one bit more question. Well, what do you got? Okay. Uh, there's something talking about a raccoon deal. Oh, and yeah. I will you know, tell you what. You got to tell me about this raccoon deal because that will either tell me if my wife is going to greet you with a smile at the door or a shotgun. Well, so I've eaten probably close to a dozen raccoons in my life. And uh, three of them have been really good, like excellent. I'm talking finger-licking good, man. Like, well, I got damn. one fattening up in my backyard, but you're going to have to get past my wife for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. So three of them have been good. A bunch of them have been okay but very tough, and like a few of them have been uh, – they taste like a wet dog smells. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the raccoons, yeah. But there was a period back before. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I was a pretty shitty hunter when I first started out. Well, I guess I called myself that. I got, a, I had a pretty good success rate. But we'd, 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 we'd have the first raccoon on the board at Bull Creek for many years. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, yeah. In fact, one of the check station ladies, you know, she'd always she saw me and my buddy Jeremy driving around in the truck. And she said, "Look, oh, she talked to her friend that they were they were they were riding a little golf cart picking up trash." She said, "Look, those those are those coon boys I was talking about." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he showed me a picture of a big boy. Now, see, a bird seed. Matt is a 
Class license. three wildlife rehabilitation okay. uh, license. Okay. So I've had like seven raccoons. I've had squirrels and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up going, I don't do it anymore because we got this last set of raccoons. And one of them, it says juvenile cataracts at 60% blind in one eye and 40% blind in the other eye. And my wife was home from college on the summer. And so she wanted a kitten. And I came home with two, two <laughs> baby raccoons. And I dropped them in bed, and I said, here's your kittens. And uh, she wasn't about it at first. And now she, if if I told her to pick between me and them raccoons, uh, she would already have my bags packed when I got home from work. <laughs> but let me tell you what. My parents had a Joy of Cooking cookbook from, like, the, the 20s. All right? This thing was old. And they, they, I don't know how my mom had it. Hardback edition. And uh, and she followed the recipe to a T and did it. My dad added a little bit of spice. And, man, that was the first raccoon we ever ate, and it was excellent. But yeah. so one they can of, be good. One of my grandma's recipes I got out of uh, Alabama. It has um, like a raccoon roast recipe mm-hmm. in that cookbook. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. We're past our hour mark. Mm-hmm. Every episode we like to end it with a the under pressure outdoors tip of the week. Cameron, you want to lead us off? Sure. So tip of the week I would say is show up. To the FWC meetings, bring a friend out hunting, introduce people to it, embrace the R3, because even though it means we're going to get crowded, even though it means we're going to have more competition, it means there's more people that are going to vote in good county commissioners, and they're going to have skin in the game when it comes to saving the forests that you hunt. Conservation will outweigh competition. Absolutely. We'll have that podcast coming up here shortly. Who's up next? Matt, you said All you right. had one before we started. Yeah, I Oh, yeah, I got a real good one. Uh, this one goes out to two of our Under Pressure Outdoors members. Um, don't let your brother drive your truck. Yeah. <laughs> brother drive your truck. <laughs> car. Wait, car. Car, truck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, because George's not very much of a driving son of a bitch himself. But. <laughs> I, yeah, after his experience, I mean, that really goes both ways between the two of us. I'm, I don't want to drive your truck and I you ain't driving mine. I think that you two yeah. have <laughs> the record in the United States of the worst luck when it comes to a vehicle. No, I haven't been. I mean, you've put his accident record up against mine. Well, we're not talking about boats. We're talking about trucks. No, I'm, I'm talking about vehicles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that joker right there has got more insurance claims and. whew. Geico Lizard sees his picture and frowns, all right? <laughs> I'm surprised they ain't kicked his policy yet. <laughs> Only one accident's been my fault. <laughs> so I'm going to say, uh, if you feel you're up to it, physically reach across the aisle to those people that aren't hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen. Reach across to the butterfly watchers and physically engaging conversation but if not the easiest way you can do that without ever saying a word is being out there and and being the example setting the example be the change you want to see and the easiest way one of the easiest ways to do that and what you've seen us do here the past few weeks just pick up garbage that is just you're getting out there evidently i stole briar's tip of the week (laughs) but you're you just Put on a good face for the outdoors and hunting community, right? Because there's a lot of people that think we are just out there 
Well, they think we go out, we ride around, we throw the beer cans out the window, we trash the woods, we kill the deer, we destroy everything out there, and that's just the end of it. We li- and we leave. But that is entirely untrue. I'll go next. It gives Briar a couple seconds Thanks. to think about Appreciate that. About his uh, tip of the week. Since his tip I'm going to use week- it still. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go a little bit more practical with my tip of the week. So if this hasn't happened to you, it's going to. You're going to be out with your climber or in a stand or hauling a backpack or something, and it's going to break. And your life's just going to be miserable. You'll either be in that tree and you won't be safe, or you'll be hauling a backpack that's half off a frame. And the simple thing is, man, keep a couple of those extra pins or cotter pins or even nails, something that you can use in a in a terrible situation to get you through. And I started carrying a little bag of extra spare parts for my stands and things like that. And each year, I look at that thing like, I'm not going to use that this year. And damn, that thing's half empty by the end of the season. So, spare parts. That's my tip of the week. Needle nose pliers. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, going back to the garbage, it, as hunters, especially to people that don't hunt, you know, sometimes we get a bad rap. So, set the example. If you pack it in, pack it out. Don't. Don't leave your beer cans or your, you know, water bottles and that stuff. Don't leave it in the woods. It's a whole lot easier for you to take it out than than for me to go back and pick it up after you. <laughs> well, especially when it comes to a waterfowl hunter, pick up your shells. Yeah, pick up your shells. Yeah, I'm, son, I hate going places and seeing shotgun shells everywhere in the water. I tell you, it was one of the hardest things for me was going offshore. And then once you get out there so far, those weed patches are slap full of trash. And you just want to pick it up so bad. Charter captain does not want it in his boat. He did pick up a gas can, though. He's like, I'm going to put this in my John boat. as a boat gas can. <laughs> I don't know if... I have kind of a second one. I don't know if I wanted to bring it up for our waterfowl hunters and listeners and stuff because I was talking about the shotgun shells, people leaving their shotgun shells. I don't know if it was one of you guys that told me about it or not but i was informed last week a lot of us use palm fronds to hunt with and we use palm fronds for blinds you know it is extremely high ticket illegal to leave your palm fronds where you are hunting it's about a 600 dollars ticket if you dump your palm fronds Whew. so keep Take that in you. mind why because, because they they biodegrade and tear up the water or there's I'd, I, I'll have to get back into that, and then I'll have to let you know more about that kind of stuff. But I was told that it wasn't supposed to be there originally and stuff like that, and then it's blocking different waterways, and, you know, it's it's kind of redoing the environment. But you're not – it's considered as a um, – it's considered littering, leaving your palm fronds. Because you go to Emerald to Marsh, think how many people dump their palm fronds in Emerald to Marsh. Yeah, that's you a know, good point when you think about it. We always think about litter as being – non-natural but i guess if you just gather up a whole bunch of sticks and dump them where they're not supposed to be and they don't look natural it's litter yeah because that's the same thing that goes for somebody dumping their like yard trimmings and stuff like that in ocala it's it's necessarily the same thing we seen on top of that boat all that dirt that was there that just caused a problem it wasn't supposed to be there 
I'm going to say uh, keep up with your equipment after having me and William kind of messed with our boat, or my boat, before we came to the podcast night. And I have definitely learned the hard way that I need to continually check and maintain. I always maintain, but continually check my equipment. So not even with your boat, but just always make sure, like, especially my boat, I got to crank it before I go out to know it's even going to crank. <laughs> that right there in itself is a tip of the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crank your boat before you leave yeah, that I'm out. telling you, yeah, because, shoot, what, we went almost all the way to Mosquito Lagoon one time and had to run to Walmart to buy a battery. Yeah. That was a year ago last month as we discovered today we looked at the battery <laughs> in the boat. Yeah, I did. I looked at my battery. It's like, I need to take this thing back to Walmart before it expires. And I was oh. like, son of a gun. <laughs> I did the same thing. I went and uh, I went to go fire up my boat last Sunday to go and run it. Um, and it wouldn't crank, wouldn't crank, checked it out and everything. And it's getting to hot weather in my gas tank. I actually had the vent closed and it heated up yeah. and it pushed fuel past my rinks. And I went and dumped out of my oil pan you know my two and a half quarts of oil but i also dumped out two gallons of fuel that Ooh. filled up my motor all the way to the bottom of the pistons that'll do it so as we draw this down we still have the crawfish boil coming up like it's april now it's one a month, month it's away. one month away it's april yeah. 1st so one month away there's about 50 tickets sold just shy of that so if you plan on coming to the boil and eating crawfish, uh, you better buy your tickets now because we're going to make some special arrangements already at this point to make sure we get enough crawfish down here. We're looking at anywhere between 150 and 200 pounds of crawfish. And every ticket sold includes a membership in the Mosquito County Hunt Club. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your stickers. Yeah. <laughs> But you guys can can uh, find the event on Facebook, and it's got the prices: fifteen dollars for adults, ten dollars for kids over six. You can hit us up on Cash App. If you don't have Cash App and you just for some reason refuse to download Cash App, then you're more than welcome to message the page, and we will arrange an ulterior alternative form of payment for you to get prepaid ahead of time. And as always, you're just talking about it here. The back at your hunters and anglers, we talked about the small game events. They've got the two thousand miles tour coming up. Uh, in the end of April, just about a month away, less than a month away. Yep. And then in May, uh, I think it's May 21st, there's a f- canoe trip. It's the third annual Suwannee River fishing expedition. Uh, no cost to that if you bring your own gear. Well, you might want to bring five bucks because it might be one night we might end up crashing in a park, but um, that's always a good time. One of the last wild rivers in the southeast, no dams. Get a chance to see, oops, what the heck are those fish called? Big old brown fish? Sturgeon. Sturgeon. That's right, man. Have a six-foot fish come levitate next to your head. That'll change a man. You know, and there's always some great event going on with the Florida chapter of BHA, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Almost always. I. They're never more than, it almost seems like they're never more than a month away. So if you guys haven't got on there, Facebook group and joined the Florida chapter of Back at Your Hunters Anglers, guess what? Down in the description, there's going to be links to that. There's also going to be links to our Facebook page, the Facebook group. It's all down there. You know what? I'll throw one in for Mosquito County this week, too, since we talked about that. So you want to find that? It'll be there. 
So, but guess what else we got this week? Some new reviews. Yes. No way. Three of them. So you got more stickers Three to send reviews. out. No, I wish I did. You know why are I, people not? No, they review us and they don't. They don't send me their mailing address. Like I said, you send me your mailing address after you leave that review. Screenshot it. Send it to me in a, in a send us a message on Facebook with your mailing address. We'll send you a sticker for free. Are they all good reviews? Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. So and this time they also missed out on a crawfish ticket. Oh yeah. No. Well, now. We didn't air that episode. Oh, shit. I guess I'll have to go. All right. So if you hear this episode, what's today's date? Today's April 1st. April 1st. And when's the podcast going to drop? This ain't no joke. It's going to come out on Monday. So uh, what's the date on Monday? Um, Monday is April 5th. No, 4th. 4th. Bunch of math majors. Yeah, April 4th. <laughs> I know that because my new boat seat's coming in on Monday. <laughs> So if it's the fourth, four plus seven is 11. So if you post a review, an honest review, we'll send you a crawfish ticket between now and April 11th. Jim, do we really want an honest review or just a good one? Yeah, just it's got to be an honest review. And hey, if it's a, even if it's a bad one, you got to tell us why it's bad. Like I said, even if you want to get on there and give us a one-star review, as long as you write a review telling me why it's one star, screenshot it, send it to our Facebook Messenger, I will still send you a decal. Well, absolutely, because I think that the negative reviews, to me, kind of sometimes are better than the positive reviews because Tells it helps what us I mean. yeah. what yeah. we need to do better. Well, so let's read these reviews, right? I've got one from AF Imaging. Great content and great quality. I'm always skeptical listening to a new podcast because I find most unlistenable. I had reservations when my friend suggested this show to me, and I was very pleasantly surprised. The audio was good quality, and hosts are captivating and great content. I'm a new hunter in Florida and happy to have a show that represents my locations. I'm glad you think our, our uh, audio quality is awesome. As I'm sure you'll hear throughout this entire episode, we're talking and then, wow, everybody in Lake County has a lot exhaust, and we can't hide it. table, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I was that captivating. <laughs> Some of the hosts are captivating. I think this was an episode. It's because you, you haven't been making it to him lately. <laughs> Next one comes from Catfish Travis. Well done. Great guys doing great things, helping to educate the public in all matters of hunting and fishing, all while working towards keeping our forest clean. Five stars. And then Sydney Curtis, top tier. Amazing job Under Pressure Outdoors does covering all aspects of hunting with spring turkey season already upon us. It was a privilege to listen to a professional like Chuck, also not to mention the great stories from folks who have been in the sport for years. Three stars. Sydney, you did send me your mailing address. And I am going to mail you a sticker. But I want you to know, I feel like that those other two stars may, may have been an accident. You can go back and change that. Well, he did RSVP a ticket. He did. Mm-hmm. So we can personally confront him about this. Well, there we if not, I think I'm pretty sure that Sidney Curtis asked me about going on a duck hunting trip with me next year. So we might get those five stars if I waterboard him enough. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll Sydney, do. I'm not above a bribe. If you go in there between now and April 11th and modify that review to five stars, uh, I'll add another ticket to your crawfish boil. Ooh. There you go. 
Or if you don't, we'll take you duck hunting. We'll put you in Jordan's boat. It's going to get you there, but it might not get you back. What are you talking Listen, about? Listen, I know there? how to make it break down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a God's honest. That's a God's honest truth realm. too. <laughs> Yeah, they get to the ramp and Jordan be like, "Oh crap! I didn't start the boat at the house." Wow! No, that, I always start the boat at the house now. Well, then what was that story that you talked about, Mosquito Lagoon and having a dead battery? That was uh, pre, a year ago. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that don't matter. That, that was, was pre-learning my lesson. <laughs> but I do honestly know how to make it break down, so don't. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, put you on the steering wheel. <laughs> well, I appreciate the handle. Okay. I appreciate you guys coming back for another week of the Unfresh Outdoors podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. You have a good week.